The Tainted Glove presents Yumper and Svo at the Show podcast with Tom Yumper Garcia. Oh, what a big man you are. Hey, let me buy you a pack of gum. I'll show you how to chew it. And Justin Svo Svoboda. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Two guys from Chicago talking movies. Welcome, everyone, to Yuffer and Swole, episode 19, presented to you at the Tank Love Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tom Yumper garcia and I'm with my other co-host, Justin Swole Svoboda. How you doing, Mr. Svoboda? Good morning, Yump. Happy Sunday, man. Happy Bears game, big day game. Yes, bear down, and I hope they uh, whoop the Atlanta Falcons' ass because my boys at St. Rita got beat pretty bad yesterday. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. We, yeah, I need some we had victories. A, we had a conversation about Mount Carmel and St. Rita and... Yeah, it just wasn't pretty. On top of the Illini you losing, it was not a uh, not a good Saturday. Well, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, offensive we... holding the offensive holding call in that Michigan um, U of I game is brutal, and it never should have got that way. U of I should have won that game. Definitely. Uh, but uh, we have a really big action packed show. We have a special guest today and a big announcement. Uh, so with that, so do you want to just get right into it? Let's do it, man. Cool. Let's uh, get into what we're gonna do, and we're gonna start off with our. Twitter question of the week. Now, so since we're doing a review on the Rockies movies, just Rocky through Rocky Balboa, you asked the question out there saying, who is the most badass Rocky villain? You want to go over the answers? Absolutely. So before we get into like some of our, our comments, the we put a poll up on our, our Twitter account, Yumper and Svo at the show, or Yumper and, at Yumper and Svo. Um, and we gave four of Rocky's opponents. We didn't include um uh Adrian Broner's character in Rocky Balboa. We just did Clu- uh Clubber Lang, Apollo Creed, Ivan Drago, and Tommy Gunn. Um and the results were pretty uh, I don't want to say mixed because Clubber Lang and, and Drago ran away with it. Tommy Gunn received absolutely zero votes. So people did not love Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn's um, the best. But it was Clubber Lang and Ivan Drago tied at 43%. So some of these comments um, were from a lot of our loyal listeners, like Mailman Jack. Uh, Southside owns Clubber Lang. A, du- a dude killed Mickey, offered to give Adrian what she needed, won the title, but eventually lost and got screwed out of a rematch. No contest. Uh, Shankster, he said Drago because whatever he hits, he destroys. Uh, Mark Svoboda, my cousin, Clubber Lang, man was on a mission from God to prove his worth, or he was just talking to himself again. Um, we had a special, our special guest today said the correct answer is Ivan Drago, but I will not stand for Thunderlips disrespect in this poll. Thunderlips was not included in this poll because that was a charity wrestling match. That is not included. Um, we had White Sox golfer. It's Clubber. Clubber was as tough as it as it comes. Strong, talked all the shit and backed it up until he gassed out in the rematch. Uh, Drago was roided and still roided to the gills and still couldn't beat Rocky. Killing a guy in an exhibition is pretty hardcore, but he cracked under pressure. 
Our boy Billy Wires uh, said, Drago, I must break you. And then Southside Bum was, said, Clubber Lang. Um, he literally hit on Adrian, beat Rocky's ass easy in the first time around. And did I mention he's from the South Side of Chicago? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Clubber Lang. The Mohawk doesn't do it for me. I'm going with the Russian. How about you, Yump? I'm going to go with Tommy Gunn. No, no. Um, <laughs> I would say Drago, although Clubber Lane did beat the shit out of Rocky in like two rounds. So Drago couldn't even do that. But I would go with Drago because he was on steroids and he killed Apollo. I um, also might be biased because I think that's my favorite Rocky movie. I think we'll, we'll get more. It's a lot that, of people's favorite. But I think that's my favorite one. Also, it was uh, Antonio Tarver who starred in as Mason the Line Dixon in Rocky. Oh, Rocky. yeah, it was. It was. OK, I got you. But um. Yeah, that was a great question. A lot of good interaction with us. Uh, be sure to check us out at Yumper and Soul on Twitter uh, to get all of those poll questions and whatnot. Um, but uh, let's move on to our special guest and the in defense of segment. You want to introduce our special guest, Swell? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from uh, Shy Sports Bums, we are bringing in our boy Baloney or Peter. Welcome to the show, buddy. Yeah, what's up, guys? I'm uh, I'm excited. The one thing I will mention before we get going, um, you guys had the poll. You missed two other opponents. One is probably CTE, um, if we're really talking about it. <laughs> and the biggest opponent Rocky has ever had, the English language. And, and as someone that stumbles with my words, I know uh, enunciation and pronunciation is a big deal. Rocky Balboa, that was his biggest foe. Smeals Manly. That might have been the most brutal recap of Rocky Balboa I've ever heard in 15 seconds. <laughs> he takes a beating and he can't speak English. I mean, his English is ungood in the words of Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> Me fail English. That's impossible. There's actually a uh, explanation to a CTE and we'll get into that when we get into the movies that uh, Sylvester Stallone put out. But yeah, his English is pretty bad. It's, I just, Part two is when he's doing the commercials. This is probably like one of my favorite parts of that movie. Oh, when he's when he's in the cage. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we'll get, like, it, I, we'll I get into that. Mainly. I wanted to tweet so many times because I rewatched these movies like all week to get caught up because I hadn't seen a lot of them in a long time, and I wanted to tweet my thoughts. I'm like, no, I gotta save that shit for the show. So, like, Definitely. we have some thoughts and I have some notes, but let's get into our guest and in defense of. Yes. So, Baloney, I got a couple questions for you, man. We do these with um, all of our listeners. Yep. So, what movie do you put on when you are under the weather or feeling down? Uh, so, realistically, it's a one of two movies, and they're probably both my favorite movies, two very different movies, but it's something that I could rewatch all the time. The first one is Good Will Hunting. Um, I'll watch that. Night and day, it doesn't matter if it's on TV, streaming, whatever. Like, if I see it on my screen, I'm watching it. So, Good Will Hunting, for sure. And then Pulp Fiction. I think that's a lot of people's answer. You know, if it's on regular TV or, or you know, HBO or whatever it's on. Like, if that's on, I'm watching it all the time. Okay. So, Good Will Hunting and Pulp Fiction. So, obviously, you're a fan of mid-90s Miramax movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So my question for you about Goodwill Hunting, and Yum's gonna laugh because I think he probably knows where I'm going with this. Um, how long do you think it took Kevin Smith to write that movie? <laughs> That's a great. I mean, I mean, I've 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 read those, you know, rumors, if you will. For sure. I, I 
for sure it's true. Uh, seeing, you know, uh, Matt Damon, like, and, um, oh my God, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, uh, they didn't write that movie. It, it was Kevin Smith. The thing is, is it doesn't matter who wrote it. Like their per- the movie wouldn't have been the same without their performances, right? Um, and the movie's fantastic, uh, but it's a, you know it's a fun goofy little thing to to bust chops. I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, Pulp Fiction is uh, it's a different choice. I love Pulp Fiction. I love Quentin Tarantino movies. I don't watch the Gimp scene to feel better though. So I don't know. I, how think, that- it, I think it's just part of like uh, so realistically when when I was in eighth grade. Um, we had our like class superlatives and our yearbook and all that stuff. And, and we would have to do like, um, you know, favorite mute, favorite band, favorite music, favorite movie, everything like that. I wrote Pulp Fiction as my favorite movie in eighth grade. And they told me to change my answer because it was a rated R movie. So I, I had been watching and it's because of my uncles. He was a huge Tarantino fan early on. I remember watching Reservoir Dogs as a kid that probably shouldn't be watching Reservoir Dogs. So um, I think it's just like I grew up in that, like, you know, that era. So, yeah, maybe when I'm under the weather, I shouldn't be watching Pulp Fiction, but I'm, I'm always going to be watching Tarantino films. I love it. I love it. No, you do you. That was not a knock. I love it. It's just like uh, it's, it would kind of be similar to like someone that comes home from a long day at work and they're like, you know what? Let's watch Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So what? What else do we have here? So do you, what movie theater did you go to growing up? So growing up um, in the DMs talking earlier, uh, we found out that me and Yump kind of grew up in similar neighborhoods. Um, I grew up right off of 37th in California up until fourth grade. So my movie theater was Ford City for a long time. Okay. Um, so you, you and I probably have crossed paths at Nikki's Hot Dogs at some point. Yes, exactly. So um we uh we did Ford City up until around fourth grade, and then we moved to the south southwest suburbs. And from then on, it was the quarry. I've probably seen more movies at the quarry than any other movie theater, and that's in like Hodgkin's countryside area. Countryside. I yeah. I think I got my first bout, my first fight with COVID at Quarry, seeing Spider Man No Way Home. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Spider Man No Way Home was fantastic. So yeah. yeah, I would say it was worth it. Ford City. Okay, we. We've told some horror stories about Ford City on here. I'm sure you've heard. Um, yeah, no, uh, I've listened. I mean, I'm, I've listened to I've listened to a bunch, but yeah, Ford City um, was my theater as a kid. The only two movie th- movies I remember seeing at Ford City was um, a No Hose Bar and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So it, I was younger then, but I remember oh, going are, specifically for those two. Movies. I saw that one at Ford City as well. Those are Teenage deep Ninja cuts Turtles. right there. Those are deep cuts. I love that. I love that you saw No Hose Bar in theater. Um, okay. And then do you remember the first time your parents dropped you off at the movie theater to hang out with your friends unsupervised and you were on your own? It's kind of like a rite of passage and it's something that we love to talk about. So I'd love to hear everybody else's experience. Like I said, mine, I've said this before, mine was scream and I don't remember what Yumper said. I'm sorry. Yump. What was yours? Uh, mine actually was American pie. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so neither of our parents set of parents gave a shit about what movies we watched. I love it. I have an embarrassing answer and I'm not sure. I'm going to throw my buddy, Chris McNally, shout out Chris under the bus. I remember his parents dropping us off at Chicago Ridge mall. And we both saw Titanic together. Um, This was probably, I don't know, sixth, seventh grade. 
And the reason I remember it is because I, it was breaking records, you know. It was, it was the, the titties. It, it was, was the titties. Let's not so lie. We, we went to go see Kate Winslet, but we didn't know that movie was goddamn three hours long or whatever. So we had basketball practice and we were a pretty competitive basketball team at the time. Um, we showed up like a half hour late to basketball practice because we didn't know the movie was three hours. So we got in trouble for that. So it was worth it in the end because, uh, you know, draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> so Titanic. Okay. So, I remember. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry no. Go ahead, oh. buddy. So Pete, I have a quick question about Titanic. So we had this a long ongoing debate with Queen Nam and Mr. Hand of the Tank Love Network who claims who's the worst person. So we all know that, you know, Jenny gave Forrest eventually what they will call AIDS and Forrest Gump. It's and actually, she, it's hepatitis C in the book. It's, it's in the, hepatitis in the book, but they make, allude to it being AIDS in the movie. Uh, but, uh, and Rose had the door that Jack couldn't get on, apparently. Who do you think is the worst person? Rose or Jenny? It has to be Jenny. It has to be Jenny. Because Forrest Gump is much more likable than Jack, at least in my eyes. You know, if, if I'm looking at subjectively, um, Jenny is a terrible, terrible person. And she took advantage of uh, Forrest Gump. So not, yeah. not just once, like multiple times throughout his, his, like, throughout throughout his, his life. life. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Hand's not going to be happy. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. I love, I love Pete, by the way. Shout out Mr. Hand. I, I love Pete. I don't disagree with you. I don't think. I, I, and they did this on Mythbusters. He wouldn't have fit on that door. Like he might have fit, but it wouldn't have floated. They could yeah, have they, took turns. Who knows what would have happened? Well, they said they had to put his like their life preserver underneath the bo- the door. But I mean, you're in freezing cold temperatures. Who the hell's going to think about that? Especially in the 1919s, <laughs> right? Like they barely even knew like how to like wipe after going to the bathroom. Like I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Jenny as a worse person than Rose from Titanic. I agree. Totally agree on that one. Okay. I just want to make sure Yump and I are on the same page. Cause I don't know if we've ever actually clarified that Yump. Oh, I totally, I believe it's Jenny. Me and, okay. uh, me yeah. and Queen Dom she, get into Pete and he gets upset. <laughs> I mean, she just like shows up and he's got all this money from investing with Steve jobs. And she's like, Hey, by the way, you have a son. Just get out of here. Who knew I mean, Forrest, and there was Forrest no like, was DNAs at the time. We don't know that was his son. That's true as well. As I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Like, show me, show me the tests. Yeah, go on, Maury. <laughs> All right. So I love, I love your answers to that. I love that you have vivid memories of No Holds Barred and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you know, missing basketball practice for 30 minutes to see Titanic. That's fantastic. Now, tell me about Ocean's Thirteen. Why do you love this movie? So you guys asked me about the in defense of, and, and I, I wanted to pick a movie that, you know, like it's easy to defend Pulp Fiction or Good Will Hunting. You know, those are subjectively good movies. This one, I'm not so sure is a good movie. I love Ocean's 11 and I love Ocean's 12. Um, Ocean 13, I feel like was big time money grab, big time cash grab. So this in defense of, is mostly an in defense of Al Pacino being a cartoon character. Um, if, if you guys know, he plays uh, Willie Bank, take it to the bank, and he is Al Pacino at his most Pacino, if you will. Um, it, it's crazy. The tan, the hair, the suits, the glasses. Um, 
he's I feel like he's playing a character playing Willie Bank. Um, so yeah, I, I like the movie. I, I I'm a I'm a sucker for heist films. Um, so anytime I see you know eleven, twelve, or thirteen, I'm I'm uh, I'm watching. So this isn't so much a defense of Ocean's Thirteen. It's more of a defense of Al Pacino in Ocean's Thirteen. For, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm still defending the movie. I still like the movie. Um, and if if you were to ask people, my guess is. 13 is the least popular of the 11, 12, 13. I'm not going to get into Ocean's 8. That's a whole different thing. Um, so I would think this is the least favorite out of those three. Um, so I'm defending the movie, but mostly I'm defending Pacino as a cartoon character. Okay. See, I would say that Ocean's 12 is probably the least favorite uh, due to it kind of being set off and having like the cameo from Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis and, and, you know, having the uh, French, basically the French uh, thief, you know, outdoing them. The only part that's memorable from that movie to me is when he does the, uh, the laser dance. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. The, uh, with the, the song in the background. Yeah. And I think uh, Ocean's 13, it wasn't a horrible movie, but at this time, like Pacino basically has become a cartoon character. We kind of saw it coming out in heat as Rick, as, um, when he was a detective in heat screaming at, you know, uh, Hank Azaria. And then it kind of branched out a little bit more to Donnie Brasco when he plays lefty, but that actually worked for him. But his dialogue is constantly getting him just screaming and yelling at people. Like, yeah. So he's always been that way since like, like the mid nineties. I also think that he can like, he can kind of turn it on and off uh, because I think his portrayal of Jimmy Hoffa and the Irishman was fantastic. Like, I think he was the best part of that movie. Um, he was annoying and he was obnoxious, but that's how he was supposed to be in that movie. But, like, he can turn it on and off. I think the best portrayal of how obnoxious he is is the Duncacino commercials in Jack and Jill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great pull. I love it. I love heist movies. How do you feel about, and this is not relative to Ocean's 13, how do you feel about the Now You See Me movies? Um, I only saw the first one. Um. I thought it was great. I should probably. What is it? There's two more after that. There's only one more after or that. Or one more I after know. that. I only saw the one first now one. Now you see me too. Okay. Yeah. So I saw Now You See Me. Thought it was good. Obviously, uh, Italian Job is another one around this era. And stuff I'm a like that. I'm a big entrapment guy with yes. uh, Catherine Zeta Jones and Sean Connery, and I'm also a fan of. Um, was it what was it with Ed Norton? The score with De Niro and Ed Norton. And then Inside Man is another one, kind of um, in the yeah. same vein. So I'm I get I'm with you when it comes to heist movies, and that's what I felt like worked about the original Ant Man movie. It felt like a heist movie as opposed to like an MCU movie. So I really, really I'm with you on when it comes to enjoying those types of movies. I mean, you can throw the town up there as a heist movie. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 could you could you could the town is different to me and a different in a good way like that movie is just it's kind of badass ben affleck is kind of kind of dope as shit in that movie like the the boston accents the fenway park the the masks i love that movie i think we should probably talk about that movie more in depth at some point in one of these episodes definitely i agree with that one and then i'll bring up one more that might not be a heist movie but it is one of the infamous like how do they pull it off and that's the prestige 
you know, that, that ending in the prestige when they kind of show everything of, of how they pulled it off. Um, that was uh that was I, I that, that is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie that yeah. does not have Batman in it. So that I love well, the prestige. It technically does. Well <laughs> shut up, y'all. Test tool. <laughs> that that's a great point. <laughs> so that's why he likes it, because it has two Batman. It has two Batmans, yes. <laughs> but uh so like Maloney, I, I don't like I think this is a good argument for Oceans of Thirteen. I think that I just think that in terms of being the movies that get like kind of crapped on in that series, I would think 12 will be more. So I don't think 13 is actually a bad movie. Um, I do like the fact they brought the original cast back. I looked, I love the, the aspect of George Clooney. And like we said before on one of our previous episodes, he basically came out and said that there's going to be no more oceans because Bernie Mac passed away. Right. And now um, Sal passed away as well. So he says when Bernie Mac passed, he said that he, he can't do a movie without the whole cast there, which I thought was you know, really, uh, really nice for him to say, because most of the stuff is usually a cash grab. Well, and that's going to bring us into our next segment. And Poloni, we'd love for you to stick on with us if you want to hang out with us. Is that cool? One hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Because I want to talk about cash grabs. You know, can we go to the next slide? Yep, we're going to be talking about what we were watching. So, so let's give it what you're watching. So I'm going to talk immediately about cash grab ticket to paradise with George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Uh, you know, it was date night with the wife, and we wanted to see it. I have no problems admitting that I am a sucker for romantic comedy. I love them. Uh, the Wedding Singer, um, you know, 27 Dresses. I love romantic comedies. This was a pure cash grab. This was Clooney and Roberts wanting to work together and film in Australia and, you know, see some exotic locations. It was filmed during COVID. So they were literally stuck in Australia on these beautiful beaches. Um, and it is a pretty cliche romantic comedy. Um, was it fun? Yeah, it was cool. Like it, it didn't like, I, I would rather do that than, you know, manual labor in the yard, but it wasn't anything spectacular. So that was the first movie that I watched. Yup. How about you? What else have you watched this week? So the first movie I watched is a American classic, a, uh, hall of fame movie. And that is a uh, roadhouse with, uh, Patrick Swayze. Uh, usually when I'm doing work or busy at work or doing stuff for a show or, or the glove, uh, I'm always, you know, I throw something on the background and, you know, throwing out roadhouse and just looking at the scenes from side to side, especially when, uh, uh, Sam, um, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but, uh, Garrett comes, Sam Elliott, and, Sam Elliott. Thank you. Comes and, uh, me whole, it, it cracks me up. Cause I used to have a coworker who used to call me that me whole, but, um, that whole, like, it's a horribly good movie with a lot of action. And Patrick Swayze rips a guy's fucking throat out. So, so how can you go wrong there? I think the problem that I have with you saying that you will put on Roadhouse while you're doing work, you know, around the house or for the show or for TG, is that when Roadhouse comes on, I can't focus on anything else. Like, I want to watch Roadhouse. I want to watch Dalton do his thing. I want to see him do Tai Chi. In the yard, the barnyard, like I want to see him do that sweet jump out that window and off the car when um he's going to fight that dude at the end of the movie. I love Roadhouse. This movie is not a guilty pleasure. To this day, my old man will text me pain don't hurt just randomly for no reason. So that's the only beef I have with you watching Roadhouse is I don't believe that you actually do any work while Roadhouse is on. 
Well, I gotta make it look good. So when I watch the movie, you know, like I'm doing something. <laughs> I gotcha. What, what about you, uh, Baloney? What have you watched this week? Uh, so yeah, uh, you guys have the graphic up there. Um, it is Wakanda Forever. Uh, my wife and I went to watch it, um, and I thought it was about as good as they could have done, as good as Ryan Coogler could have done, um, giving the circumstances. Um, so yeah, I thought, uh, it was really well done. Uh, I love, I'm an instant Tenoch Huerta fan. I thought everything they did with Namor was, um, you know, represent, representation matters and seeing, you know, the Latin community get a hero, um, goes a long way because we saw what happened with Black Panther. We see the Halloween costumes, we see all that stuff. And I think it's really important. So I'm pumped. I, I, I thought it was a, a really, really well done. I'm not going to say it's you know, the best Marvel movie, but it was the best Marvel movie given the circumstances and probably the best phase four movie. If we're counting Spider-Man, it's between Spider-Man and Wakanda forever. So I, I agree completely with everything that you just said. I think that, um, Nimor was the, and if you're not watching them quote villain unquote, because he wasn't really the villain. He was just a man that wanted... And I don't want to spoil anything for people that haven't seen it. Um, he wasn't really the bad guy. He just wanted to protect his people and protect his land. And he he wasn't trying to do anything, you know, nefarious, if you will. Like, he was, he was cool, man. I, I liked him. I liked the tributes. The first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes are very emotional. Um... There was some subtext to the movie that I think yeah. maybe not everybody agrees with. Um, but I think I think if you're including Spider-Man in it, it's it's one of the better uh like phase four movies. It's definitely better than that piece of shit, Doctor Strange. Terrible. Um, uh, I was so disappointed by that. Well, and I think Yumper's Yumper's like kinda with me on that, but like its redeeming quality is Bruce Campbell, and that's what he loves. Pizza Papa. Yeah. yeah. So like I I thought Multiverse of Madness was terrible. I actually really enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder. I think it was a little bit too much humor, but it wasn't awful. But this was I thought this was really really well done and I'm excited to see where it goes. They've already announced that Namor's going to have his own movie. Um so I'm I, I'm glad that they did this. I like yeah. I enjoyed it very much. And I, I should mention, um, no spoilers, like you said, but uh, Angela Bassett has two of the most powerful scenes I think I have seen um, in Marvel movies, acting-wise. Um, her scene um, in the, what would you call it, like the throne room, and then again, like in the UN Council or, or whatever, two really, really, I didn't, I didn't know she had that range, and, and maybe I haven't seen enough Angela Bassett movies, but... Um, she really pulled out all the stops. I thought it was a really, really well acted scenes. Yeah. So a couple movies to start with, if you want to see how well her acting chops are and yump chime in here with me, if you've got anything, but one, you have to see her portrayalist, Tina Turner and what's love got to do with it. She's absolutely fantastic and underrated music biopic. And if you want to talk about a woman pissed off about how men treat her, um, watch Waiting to Exhale because it's an absolute fantastic movie. And I really, really like both of them, but she can act. Um, we could probably do a whole nother episode on that. So, but I want to get Yump to talk about the last movie he's been watching. Yeah. So uh, you guys saw some newer movies 
I went and, you know, uh, like I said, I watched Roadhouse and then I went to an old reliable, a movie that I uh, loved watching as a kid and still do today. And that is the original Kickboxer with JCVD. Uh, very cheesy, totally 80s. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is when he does the dance in the bar while he's drunk to some horrible 80s style music. But it's a total just action movie and it's like one of my favorites. So that's what I was watching. So while we were getting ready for today, we did some audio testing last night and we talked about Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme and how we are a sucker for his movies. Uh, this is probably two or three on the list. Uh, no one's going to agree with my number two, and I know that no one's going to agree with my number two, but this is a great movie. So I I get it, man. I, I totally get Kickboxer. I love Bloodsport more than Kickboxer, but... Um, yeah, this is number three on my list of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Wait, so what's your number two? It's Street Fighter. That, <laughs> hand up. I love that movie. And that maybe could have been my in defense of. And I think maybe because I was a kid and I grew up with those video games, I know that's a bad movie, but I love that Street Fighter movie. So but I think Street Fighter is the perfect example of what I had envisioned for the in defense of segment. Like Street Fighter and Anaconda are two movies that I will defend to the grave. And I don't know why. Uh, one is probably just Jennifer Lopez in the Amazon jungle. Um, but Street Fighter is the, the, the video game characters I grew up with and popping quarters and at the 7-Eleven on Irving Park and Bartlett Road. And um, yeah, I, I can't do it. In Anaconda, you can't look past John Voight's performance as Cerrone, dude. He's the best part of that movie. I'm going to start calling you Baby Bird. <laughs> yeah, baby bird. Uh, I think it's funny both of you guys love Street Fighter so much because I like we're all, all around a similar age, and like my favorite video game movie was Mortal Kombat, and I saw that in theaters. I saw Street Fighter in theaters too, but Mortal Kombat like is my favorite over the two. Oh, I love Mortal. I love the Mortal Kombat movies. Even even uh, Annihilation, um, it was terrible, but I, I love them. Jesus. But um, I I don't know what it is about Street Fighter, uh, why I love it so much. I. I I, I, my guess is it's going to be Raul Julia's like portrayal of Bison and how over the top it was, and knowing that it was it was his final movie and he did it for his kids, like that's that's why I love Street Fighter. I think also part- Blanca, how terrible was yeah. Blanca in that movie? Well, the part that makes me laugh is that I love JCVD, but he's from Belgium, and like you have him play Guile. Supposed to be an American soldier, yeah, in, and the with part his accent, yep, yeah, and the part that cracks you up every time when I watch it, my brother too, when we watch it, is when he's like, "I'm gonna show Bison." Eh. <laughs> <laughs> that part makes me laugh, but I mean, it's an entertaining movie. It's not like an Oscar-winning movie, of course, but it's entertaining. I'll give it that. It might have won some golden raspberries, but not. I'm an pretty Oscar. sure it did. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys mentioned it. I mean, Kickboxer and Bloodsport—that's probably most people's. One and two, right? Yeah, and, I uh, think I think there's some weirdos out there that would be like Double Impact or I like uh, Double Impact. I mean, I, I like Double Impact too. It's not a bad movie. It's I mean, it's probably a bad movie, but it's a fun, entertaining movie. Um, I think I, we talked about this last night. I love Time Cop. Like, if we're talking about JCVD movies, like he's got he's got like a a good catalog to choose from when it comes to like early eighties or late 80s, early 90s movies. And like uh, I was telling Soul yesterday when we were doing this, uh, so like 
spoiler alert, we're probably going to do a JCVD episode sometime in the future next year. But just like going through his movies, not just act, he does have range as an actor. Like if you haven't seen JCVD, the movie JCVD, I highly recommend you to see it. It's actually really, really good. Like my wife, who knows I'm into action movies, she actually watches it. She's like, wow, I didn't know he can act. <laughs> like you would assume like it's actually a very, very good movie. And it's like a lot of personal stuff that he's gone through that uh, is portrayed in that movie. And like even I think Ebert even gave it like two and a half to three stars for that movie. Yeah, I just think the hard part for Van Damme is he already has such a reputation of being a jerk on set that I think that's why his career never had any more longevities after like the late 80s, early 90s. That and his addiction problem. Yeah, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah, realistically, I don't remember him in anything post like the Friends cameo. I don't know if you guys watch Friends, but he had that one one episode where he plays himself after that i don't think i remember any of his movies he was in the expendables too oh that's true yeah the expendables everybody was in there his name was john claude which is kind of funny Belan. (laughs) i love it i love it well that's what we've been watching this week i think now it's time for is what yumper would call the meat and potatoes of our show yes so we put out a poll uh for last episode to see what you guys wanted to watch and what we wanted to discuss and Rocky kind of ran away with it, the original Rocky series so we're going to go through Rocky to Rocky Balboa we're going to hold off on the Creed series because that's not part of the original core but we're going to do a deep dive with our guests and we're going to go into the Rocky series so you guys ready to get into it yeah let's go Yump. let's do it man I'm excited I rewatched all these movies all week all right let's go into our first one now who discovered America an Italian right what would be better than to get it on with one of his descendants? He's a Southpaw. I don't want you messing around with Southpaws. Now, they do everything back. Southpaw, nothing. I'll drop him in three. Apollo Creed meets the Italian Stallion. <laughs> Sounds like a damn monster movie. 1976 Rocky, directed by John G. Edelton, who also directed the Karate Kid series and Saturday Night Fever. Never heard of him. <laughs> written by Sylvester Stallone starring Sylvester Stallone Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith and Carl Weathers uh, this movie had a budget of 960k and made a box office of 225 million which is equivalent to 1 billion dollars in 2022 that's ridiculous so Swell tell me about Rocky and what can you say about Rocky that hasn't already been said a ton of times it's the classic underdog story he is from the streets of philadelphia he's a brawler he's not really a classically trained boxer he wasn't expected to to go in and win this fight and he didn't win this fight technically but the movie is so well done you can't help but root for him he meets the love of his life and he knows that he she's the love of his life so he visits her in his her pet store um every time he's like he's done with the gym or he's on his way home it's just such a good, fantastic like movie. Um, what kind of awards did this movie win, Yup? So this movie actually won uh, three Oscars. Uh, best Picture, Best Director, and Best Film Editing. And it was nominated for four others, five others, actually. Uh, best Actors for Stallone, but Stalia Shire for Best Actress, Burt Young and, Bur- and uh, Burgess Meredith were actually uh, uh, nominated as well and best writing for special Sloan. 
Um, so it's a three-time. It's the first sports movie ever to win Best Picture. And it deserves every accolade it gets. It's the perfect sports movie. I'm not a massive boxing fan. Like, I like boxing and I enjoy it. But you can't help but, like, love this movie. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Baloney? What do you think about it? Yeah. So maybe hey, you guys are the film guys. Out of the whole series, this is what I would consider like a film. You know, the, the other ones are movies. You know, three and four are, you know, popcorn movies. This is an actual film. This is something that could be, you know, shown in in film class or in studies and stuff like that. This, so, yeah, this this one deserves all the accolades. I think, um, like you mentioned, he didn't win the fight, but I think he wins the affection of the public audience. You know, like this is where the underdog wins the crowd and and becomes the star so yeah i love this movie and this is something that um stands the test of time absolutely Absolutely does um and like this was sylvester stallone's baby he got inspired by the chuck wempier fight with muhammad ali where he, uh, he went 15 rounds and got knocked out by ali but it was he was an unknown fighter who kind of inspired us even though stallone kind of goes back and forth in the story but it's kind of like university I guess, known that he was inspired by that fight. And Stallone was pushing really hard to act as Rocky and star as Rocky. He did not want anybody to take the script away from him. You know, when the studios came up to him to buy the script from him, they wanted Burt Reynolds, Robert Redford. And to be honest with you, I don't think anybody could play Rocky besides Sylvester Stallone. This movie is iconic in the way it films boxing. It shows, you know, the mean streets of Philadelphia. It shows a lot of the underground scenes of when he fights Spider Rico in the church. Stuff like that that was happening that people experienced or everyday regular people experienced those amateur fights and now it's in a movie. You know, it's a good portrayal. And then to go along with all that, you have the score of Gonna Fly Now by Bill Conti and the running scene. And that has just become iconic itself. The Rocky Steps iconic. There's so many good things that came out of this movie. I also think like it's important to to talk about representation we always talk about representation in this movie and this movie covers it on a couple bases right there was some italian american discrimination that went on in the late 70s early 80s but also to have an african-american champ like as opposed to the white savior or the white you know the white champ like i I think that 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 matters and and sylvester stallone did a really good job of that um the writing stands the test of time because you root for Rocky from beginning to end, not the champ, right? I hated Apollo Creed. And before I even saw the movie as a kid, when my dad told me that Rocky didn't win, I was crushed. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's not about him winning or losing. It was about him not giving up and going the distance, right? And what other sports movie like gives you that ending, right? You always come from behind. You always like get the W. Rocky didn't win, but he didn't give up. And I think that's important. And I, I, this movie is is perfect. Yeah, and what I should mention because I had it written down was um, obviously this movie has big characters: Rocky and Paulie and Mick. Maybe the biggest character of all is the city of Philadelphia, and this is an honoring thing for all five five of the movies. You know, um, it really paints a picture of Philly as like gritty and you know like blue collar and stuff like that. Um, so we should mention it. Like when I think of Philadelphia, I think Rocky. Man, that's an absolutely like fantastic point about how this movie like portrays Philadelphia. You know, I go and I visit ballparks all over the, all over the country, and like I don't think of like the Phillies or like 
Citizens Bank Park. I'm like, I want to go see the Rocky statue. I want to see the steps. I want to see that Philadelphia. I want to eat a cheesesteak at a local cheesesteak joint. Like Philadelphia is beautiful in these movies. And it's, it's really, it's really, really cool. That's a great point. Yeah, it totally is a big, nice scene of Philadelphia. And John G. Adelson was not a boxing fan. He thought boxing was stupid. And his cinematography in the movie is beautiful. Uh, some things I found interesting about this was when Sylvester Stallone actually wrote the original script, Mick was supposed to be much more racist and Rocky was supposed to throw the fight at the end because he didn't want to be part of the boxing world. I'm glad they kind of went through a little rewrite and had the ending they have because I think it's perfect. Uh, on top of that, I think it's pretty crazy that you have like a huge actress in Talia Shire who just took the role for $7,600 just to get out of the shadow of her brother, Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. And then you have Burgess Meredith who only took, got the role because he actually auditioned and every other person they asked to do the role thought it was beneath them to audition for Sylvester Stallone. You know, that's crazy that Burgess Meredith, who is, you know, I know him from The Penguin as well, Batman. Yeah, I think... I think that's a great point. Like Burgess Meredith is very, very versatile, right? Like, you know, him as the bad guy in the penguin, you know, him as the old man in the grumpy old men series, you know, him as, as Mick, like the dude can flat out act. And he probably didn't have to do this movie. He probably didn't need to do this movie. And he auditioned for Stallone. And that's what happens when you actually believe in a project, right? People will go read for it. Or they'll go audition for it. When you believe in a project, like Burgess Meredith's uh, roles in uh, as the, the old man and grumpy old men are some of my favorite roles, like in any movie ever. But as Mick, he's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I would go on to say like Burgess Meredith is the best actor in this movie. Like Rocky, or I mean, Stallone is Rocky, Rocky Stallone, you know, it, it goes one and the other and he, he did a great job in it. Don't get me wrong, but Bur Burgess Meredith is an actor. So um, yeah, and he's awesome. I love, I mean, I love Mick. Yeah, totally. And, you know, another person that just steals the show is Carl Weathers. And the only reason he got the role was because he was doing a sparring match with Stallone and Adelson. And he was hitting Stallone a little hard. And Stallone's like, hey, man, this is a, uh, a practice, a choreography. And uh, he, tell, he looked at the director and said, well, it'd be easier if I was fighting the real actor instead of these, you know, prop people. And uh, John G. Adelson laughed and said, that is a star of the, of the movie. And without missing a beat, Carl Weathers was like, he'll get better. And he was offered the role literally right there and then, which shows like his cockiness. And, tell, you know, he's a perfect Apollo Creed. And, you know, Apollo is based off of Muhammad Ali, but just a perfect Apollo Creed for the movie. It, it's so crazy how this movie was like an, a low-budget movie that just made tons of money. The, uh, you, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no. you mentioned it, right? Like the, the translation to today's time with inflation or whatever, it's, it's more than a billion dollars or something like that? Yep, it made a billion dollars, uh, equal to equivalent to a billion dollars. It's still two hundred twenty million back then in seventy six. That'd be a Crazy. top ten movie of all time. I Wouldn't mean, it? yeah, this series in general. I mean, Sylvester Stallone's in the Boxing Hall of Fame because of this movie. Like, it got well, people into the big fight thing. I mean, again. I yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it also spawned a billion copycats of boxing movies or. Like just infatuation with boxing, it, it blew it up. Like boxing was big, but not like this. Yeah, but uh, let's get into our next one, guys. Last time we should have won, but this time you're gonna be scary, kid. You're gonna be a greasy, fast Italian monster. You're gonna eat lightning. You're gonna crap thunder. 
I'll have to put you in a cage, kid. 1979's Rocky II, directed and written by Sylvester Stallone, starring uh, Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith, and Carl Weathers. This movie had a higher budget of $7 million and made $202 million at the box office. Baloney, tell me about Rocky II. I mean, it seems like it's tough to compare to Rocky One because obviously Rocky One, like I said, like is a film. This one, for a sequel, and maybe you guys could talk more about just sequels in general. I feel like it's hard to make a really good sequel. We see it all time and time again. I think this is a decent to find movie. I think it's a great sequel to it. There's some parts of Rocky Two that I think might be even better because of the budget. You know, the boxing scenes seem to be more refined. Um, the boxing choreography, if you will, seems a little more cleaner than Roxy, Rocky One. But it's just so hard because it's compared to Rocky One. But like the, like I said, the first four movies in this se- the whole series, I, I, I love. So I, I think we're all in agreement with that, right? Yeah, I think the the choreography or the boxing scenes probably seem cleaner and, and better because, I mean, you go from a $220,000 budget to a $7 million budget. You can afford better lighting. You can afford better, you know, or extra time to, to choreograph the fight sequences. You know, I love it. I love how consumed with Rocky Apollo Creed was like, there's a scene in Rocky two where like, he's reading these letters from fans, like talking shit, like, Oh, Rocky's the real champ. You lost that fight. It was, it, it was thrown like, and Apollo Creed is Apollo's wife looks at him. He's like, don't you want to play with the kids? He's like, basically he's like, fuck them kids. Like <laughs> he throws the letters in the air. Like he's consumed with beating Rocky. That's how much he got under his skin. So, uh, Swell, what you're saying is uh, Apollo Creed was acting like Rick Hahn when he looks at his burner account. He was. That's exactly what he was like. He was consumed with it. That's a nice little White Sox dig there, you dirtball. All right, <laughs> I'm out. Dig. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm so White Sox fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally yeah. Um, no, the thing like you said about Apollo Creed, like Carl Weathers was all happy go lucky in the previous movie. He was a, a kind of like a showboat asshole but he smiled a lot and this movie he doesn't smile at all and i no. do like the aspect they uh give him of being more serious more uh vicious and i actually i like the at the fight at the end people are like oh rocky kind of got his ass beat the whole fight which is like yeah he did rocky gets his ass beat the whole fight in every movie but in this yep. movie like it just shows how the cockiness of apollo kind of cost him because all he had to do was stay away and and stay away and that's kind of off a uh you know goes off history of where it was inspired that was a fight with joe lewis and uh, another person for the heavyweight title and where that person was basically beating the shit out of lewis the whole fight got cocky at the end and instead of sticking and moving tried to knock him out and ended up getting knocked out by lewis who continued to hold the title that's kind of what apollo did apollo wanted to knock him out and he ended up getting knocked out and losing the title to rocky yeah, his pride consumed him, right? He was embarrassed after the first movie. He was embarrassed after the first fight. He and was, yeah. and he, he, I mean, he got cocky, if you will, and, and it got to the best of him. So, yeah, it's a great point. It's, it's almost more, it's, it's a Apollo Creed story as much as it is a, a Rocky story. Absolutely. And the scene that I'm referring to, like, he's in the upstairs of his house and he's reading these letters out loud to himself. And his kids are playing downstairs. And his wife, like, sends him out. He's like, can you believe they're saying this about me? And he's like, Apollo, like you're like, you're obsessed. Like, it's crazy. Like, this is more of a Creed movie. This is the original Creed movie as opposed to Rocky Two. Yeah, I would totally agree. And just even the scene with him and uh, Duke, Tony Burton's character, when he asked him, do you think I beat him? 
and he tells him, you got the decision. But he can't tell him he beat him. Yeah. So that that just drives me more. That's like a powerful scene. It's, it, the movie's very good. And I actually love the uh, score for this movie too. The way it opens with the uh, redemption song from the hot, when they're traveling in the hospital. I thought that was pretty cool. The thing that kind of threw me off a little bit that kind of knock, knocks it down a little bit is the thing with Adrian when she doesn't want him to fight. And then all of a sudden after she comes out of a coma and wants him to fight. So that kind of like lost in translation there. Well, the coma was, changed her mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. But was it, it was this movie weird. where he gives the he gives the speech? He's like, I never asked you to stop being a woman. Don't ask me to stop being a man. Right. Yeah. And she's like, he like finally like he can fight and the coma thing. And he reads like these romantic poems to her. Yeah, that, and that's that, crazy. That plot point, that plot point could probably have been fleshed out a little more. Because you're right, Yump. It's like, yeah, she she had these convictions, goes into a coma, and then all of a sudden, oh, never mind. Good to go. Also, I, mean, I have a question know. for both of you. Like, like Peter, you're married with kids, right? Yep. Yump, you're you're married with kids. I'm married. I don't have any. I have baseball hats. Um, but like, let me ask you this. Yump, do you have any brother-in-laws? Yes. Peter, do you have any brother-in-laws? I have one. Yes. If your brother-in-law was as big of a dirtbag as Paulie was, <laughs> how long would you put up with it? Because like Rocky just kept putting up with it and putting up with it, and uh, Burt Ward is a fucking dirt ball like he is a dirt ball and it just gets progressively worse as the series goes on Polly is like one of my favorite characters just because he's, he's such an yeah. asshole he's hilarious but he's a fucking asshole Polly has my favorite scene in all any of these movies we'll talk about it later is but, it when he has um, sex with the robot and rocky <laughs> <laughs> no it's not but uh, i mean i should mention i'll get this out of the way now my brother-in-law is awesome so he's not a dirt ball. I don't know um, how Rocky deals so, with it, but it's the thing. It's like, you don't marry your wife. You marry their, their entire family. Right. Yes. You know, so, so he's in it, you know, that's, he's stuck that's with exactly them. it. Like all three of us have brother-in-laws and I like, I like my brother-in-law. He took a dump in my changing room the day of my wedding. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, so I was a little, I was a little cranky with him for a little while, but like, I love my brother-in-law. So this wasn't a knock on all your brother-in-laws. This was more of a question as how the hell does Rocky put up with Burt Ward's character through fucking six movies? Because he's in Rocky Balboa. And even in Rocky Balboa, we'll get into it. He talks shit at the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you, uh, if you look at Polly's current character arc, it starts to get better as we go on. And eventually like he, he has a lot of good qualities that come out later. But uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, same thing, Baloney. Like, my brother-in-law is awesome. Like, I got real lucky when I married into Jen's family. Your brother-in-law is awesome. I've dealt with him for a specific issue, and he is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so they're, uh, you know, that's crazy. But uh, Burt Young is just a great actor. So that's why he got nominated for an Oscar for the first one. But let's get into our next one, gentlemen. No, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool. And I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. What's your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. Rocky III was made in 1982. Again, directed and written by Sylvester Stallone, starring him, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith, Mr. T, and Carl Weathers. This movie had a higher budget of $17 million and a box office of $270 million. Uh, I will start off saying, 
This is probably one of my favorite Rockies just for the fact that Mr. T's in there and watching the A-Team as a kid and seeing him in there always cracked me up. Uh, it's also one of the saddest ones with the passing of Mickey. And the, so, you know, that's always a, a tearjerker when he passes away. And they... Spoiler alert, yup. Yeah. I mean, the movie's uh, 40 years old. So if you haven't seen it, uh, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, just that part was so emotional for the cast that the crying is actually real by Sylvester Stallone when he's crying over the character when he passes, which I thought was pretty crazy. What do you think about it, Swell? I, I really liked Rocky Three. I, I I don't think there's any movie in these series that I didn't like genuinely like. Um, I loved the charity wrestling match with Hulk Hogan. It was corny. It was cheesy. Um, Clubber Lang is badass. Like I can't deny how awesome he is in this in this movie and how like legitimately like fearful I was as a kid about Rocky fighting this guy. Um, it doesn't quite. It doesn't quite have the feel like Peter talked about. Like, it doesn't quite have the feel of Rocky One and Rocky Two, where it's as gritty and as dirty as those two movies. Um, but it's still a really, really great movie. It's not my favorite in the series, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with this movie. Uh, Peter, how do you feel about Rocky Three? Rocky Three, I feel like, is where we go from films to movies. You know, this is a popcorn movie. When I think of '80s movies, I think of Rocky Three and Rocky Four. You know. I mean, you can't get more 80s than Hulk Hogan, Thunder Lips, and Mr. T, right? Like, this is a quintessential 80s movie. And, and you're right. It, it's, it seems like the budget got bigger, and it went more into um, what I think of Rocky as, uh, like, popcorn movies, if you will, you know? Um, but it's still a really good movie. Um, I, don't, I can't nick, nitpick much of it because this is the one I remember growing up, you know, I, I don't remember Rocky one or two as a kid. Like I had to go back and watch those. This is the first one. Rocky three and four were like, I remember like wanting to see these movies. Yeah. But didn't you tell me something that Hulk Hogan almost got fired from the mm -hmm. WWE well, for doing this movie? He did get fired by uh, Vince McMahon senior because mm -hmm. he took the role. And actually when this movie came out, it boosted his popularity and Vince McMahon Jr. who had bought in the company from his dad rehired him and eventually cast him in the you know catwalk put him in for WrestleMania and they built him around everything which pr propelled his career uh, I find it crazy too that um, uh, the Survivor song uh, I Have a Tiger was not the original choice of Sylvester Stallone it was actually another one Bites the Dust by Queen and he couldn't get rights to it so he went with Survivor so I mean he really lucked out right there the whole Mr. T thing, I think is hilarious because reading, you know, backstories about how he's like this badass dude from Chicago in the movie and he doesn't care about anything. Uh, he actually went to the premiere with his mom. And when he's talking to Adrian, telling her, I'll give you some things you need, woman. His mom looked at him and said, that's not the way I raised you and walked out of the theater. <laughs> so he got embarrassed. But. It's a it's a total popcorn movie, like Baloney said. It's got like a bunch of stuff in it. I think um, this this movie was originally intended to be Stallone's final Rocky movie. He wanted it to be a trilogy, as you notice. Like Rocky says at the end, he's going to be uh, go to the circus apparently as a joke, but he's going to retire. And the killing of Mickey kind of makes sense because he killed Mickey in the third movie, and we end up getting you know, three more after that. But I think it's just a fun it's a fun boxing movie. It's not supposed to be taken seriously as the other two. It's just enjoyable for entertainment. 
Yeah, I would agree. Um, fun story about that Survivor Eye of the Tiger song. Um, I think those dudes are from like the Chicago suburbs. And one of the one of the dudes in the band um takes today at Apple Sessions at the Oak Brook store. So like, fr- he he comes in and he learns how to use his MacBook in our classes that we offer for free. And every he's got like bright, vivid purple hair, and he's got that Sylvester Stallone tiger jacket, and he wears it into the Apple store. That's like a legit thing. That's a true story. Yeah, they are from Chicago. Yeah, so he is um, infamous in the Oakbrook area. So my wife, before she moved to her current job at uh, Cooper's Hawk, used to work for Ditka's Restaurant. And he sits at that bar um, all the time. So the lead singer of Survivor, if you guys go to Oakbrook, the Oakbrook Ditka's, he'll be there, you know, four nights out of the week. That's funny because it's literally like two and a half minutes from my house in Villa Park. And that's why I like, but yeah, he comes in and takes today at Apple sessions in my store on how to use his MacBook properly. Oakbrook Dickas, uh, me and my wife used to go there a lot. For one, they have awesome tomahawk steaks and awesome pot roast. Pot roast nachos. Yeah, the pot, pot roast, roast nachos. nachos. Infamous. They're, they're yeah. so good. Yep, I want to kiss you right now because you said that. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. Oh my God, I hate being on this weight loss thing. Uh, um, but yeah, let's get into our next one, fellas. Trying to say is that if I can change, я думаю, что каждый тоже изменился сегодня. And you can change. Вы можете измениться. Everybody can change. Каждый может измениться. 1985's Rocky IV, again written and directed by Sylvester Stallone, starring him, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith, Dolph Lundgren, Bridget Nielsen, and Carl Weathers. This movie had a higher budget of $28 million and made $300 million at the box office. Baloney, tell me about Rocky IV. This is, I mean, it is the quintessential popcorn flick. Um, when you think of 80s movies, this is what I think of. You know, they, they play into the whole Cold War aspect of what, you know, the United States was going through. Um, and yeah, man, I, I, you, you think Dolph Lundgren, you think Bridget Nielsen, I should mention, she is a scary lady. Um, but she, I, I thought like growing up, I remember like, man, she is, she's a intimidating, intimidating lady. Um, but yeah, man, I love this movie. Um, top to bottom, I guess it would probably be, be considered like a, I mean, it's tough to consider Rocky for like a cult classic, but I think it's a lot of people's favorites, at least in my age, you know? Yeah, totally agree. I think it's uh, probably, you know, it's got that cult classic, you know, nostalgia to it for a movie that made so much money back then. Again, you, you know, put hit the nail on the head with the playing on the Cold War, something we still do today, which is crazy. But just the fact that Dolph Lundgren's character is, you know, so menacing and he kills Apollo Creed, you know, it's ridiculous. It's kind of like, like well, Rocky's just apparently killing all of his fucking favorite characters. You know, Mickey, the last one, Apollo, this one. You know, it was, it's crazy. Um, one of the scenes that stick out to me the most is uh, when they had the fight with Apollo and Dolph Lundgren and you have James Brown there singing Living in America. Yep. Which cracks me up because then you have Apollo dancing with them. It's like just a memorable scene. It's totally, totally like, uh, you know, 80s, like popcorn. It's, but it's so good. Um, and I know Pete, Aloha Mr. Han, loves the fact that they have the robot in the movie. That's like one of his favorite parts. Uh, and he was very upset they'd cut that out in the director's cut. What do you think about it as well? 
so I'm going to go on a little rant here, right? Because you guys touched on all my favorite things here. Um, I have a, a lovely niece, Allison, who uh, is a Florida State graduate. And she went to Florida State. And my niece is obsessed with Russia and Russian culture. And um, I, when she told us that she was going to study Russian at Florida State and um, uh, go to Russia, I immediately thought of two things, right? One, I thought of Burt Kreischer and his story about the machine and the mm -hmm. Russian mafia, which, um, by the way, my birthday is next week. And I'm very excited. My wife got me tickets to go see Burt Kreischer at the Rosemont theater um and two i thought about rocky four right usa versus russia and I, she asked me why don't you want me to do it i'm like because i hate russians she's like why do you hate russians and i'm like have you ever seen rocky four my entire family looked at me like i was a fucking idiot because one i am a fucking idiot um and two like you based your opinions about russians on rocky four i don't really hate russians but this movie plays on all those stereotypes right Rocky four is my favorite in the series. James Brown living in America. Like I have notes on this dance that I took while I was watching Rocky four. I love Apollo Creed coming down like the, like the stage, like lowering himself into the ring, like pointing to people with his boxing gloves on. You can see me on the YouTube channel. I'm doing the dance. Like the dance is perfect. It's obnoxious. He gets in the ring and he's like, put your gloves out, baby. And, Dolph Lundgren hits his gloves or he hits Dolph Lundgren's gloves and they're stones and they don't move. And this fight is crazy. And you have, you have, uh, you know, the corner man and Rocky, like throw the damn towel. And, and he doesn't throw the towel. And we know that Apollo dies. And then Rocky goes to Russia to fucking train with these like KGB guys following him everywhere while he trains. Right. Hearts on fire is playing in the background. Fantastic 80 score. Rocky four is a cult classic because it's terrible. It's a terrible movie that's fantastic to watch. It's just like Magnificent Stan says with uh, Gladiator with Cuba Gooding Jr. and James Marshall. Like, I love this movie because of how awful it is and how fucking awesome it is. Every 80s, like, cliche that you could think of, the training montage, the 80s movies with keyboards and synthesizers, it's fantastic. I need a breath. Yeah, so you mentioned the training montage, and I tease it in the beginning. Um, it's got my favorite scene in all four or all five of the Rocky movies, or even Balboa too. Um, if you YouTube it, it's Paulie complaining. Um, you YouTube what a depressing vacation, and he's complaining about not being able to watch the Rose Bowl. And there, he's like, "This better have my comics." And he's complaining about the cold in Russia. But at the very end of that scene, he slips and falls into the snow. And he makes a noise that I don't think humans make. It's so oh. funny. He sounds like, yes, he sounds like a seal or something like that. So he falls into the snow and it's just like, ah, and he, he repeats it twice. It's, I laugh every time. Me and my cousin, Johnny, who is on our podcast, The Bumpcast, um, he once fell um, similar way in the snow. We used to live together and he fell down and uh, slipped on a sidewalk. And we always, like, we laugh about it to this day. It's like, you fell like Polly did. It's 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 my favorite thing. It's stupid, but it, 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 every time I see it, it just makes me laugh. I I love I can't help but like love this movie. Like in the fight when he makes Drago bleed, he's like, he's not a machine. He does bleed. Right. The whole thing is just fun and goofy and a boxing movie. And it's not meant to be taken seriously. I even love the poster that they use with Rocky draped in the American flag. Like, 
it's yeah, it's my favorite movie in the series. Yeah. And this is how I found out what steroids are, you know, like as a sports fan and stuff like that. This is what like I'm like, whoa, what is happening here? They're injecting them with stuff. And that's how I found out uh, steroids is a thing. So I was like, oh, yeah, all of my athletes should be doing this. <laughs> I also love the clear difference between the way like and, it, and this happens in every single Rocky movie, right? Like Apollo trains in this nice, shiny gym with all this new equipment and Drago is hooked up to technology and like running on a treadmill with the incline as high as it can go, as fast as he can go. And Rocky is fucking chopping wood in like the Russian forest, like lifting the the cart with Polly and uh, Adrian on it. And like the clear difference in how they train, like it's fantastic. He climbs to the top of a fucking mountain in Russia in the hearts on fire sequence. Totally, uh, totally good call out there as well. And I think it's funny because when Rocky tried to train in luxury in Rocky three, he got his ass beat in the first fight. Yeah. Like Mick was like, let's go, let's get out of here. Like I, I, it's so cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. He was, um, he was Philly blue collar, even in Russia. And that's, that was that's another great point. Through. Sorry, Yump. Go ahead, buddy. No, no, go ahead. No, that's like that's, that's another great point, right? Like he's a Philadelphian through and through. You take him out, and he's going to make it into Philadelphia. He's going to train by doing tasks and the stuff that he would do. He's not going to train in a fancy air conditioned gym. Like, it, yeah, he's a Philadelphian. It's fantastic. Uh, I really like the soundtrack for this movie as well. Um, no easy way out. <laughs> My buddy and me used to laugh about it all the time when he drives in the car. You know, uh, Hearts on Fire, the whole training montage. Gonna Fly Now is not even played in this movie at all. And it's still considered one of the best Rocky soundtracks. But I think it's crazy. Uh, I do like the fact that, you know, Dolph Lundgren. And then Dolph Lundgren, if it, people who don't know, the dude is one, a genius. He has a degree in chemical engineering from Sweden. And he's a badass. Dude, had, I think it's like a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. And he's fucking He-Man. All right. That's all you yeah, had to say. Yes. Like, you didn't need to talk about anything else. <laughs> Just say, yeah, he's He-Man. But, uh. Totally, you know, I I like this movie as well. I I do l- find the robot part hilarious. Uh, but if you haven't seen the Rocky versus Drago um, recut, I highly recommend you guys watch it because there's added scenes in there. And if you guys don't like the robot part, that's actually cut out, and they put a little bit more emphasis on certain things, which I thought was pretty cool. That's the part I don't like. The robot sex should have stayed in. <laughs> but uh, are you guys ready to move on to the next one? Do it. Break your hand on that bummer. What are you worth then, huh? Paul, are you okay? You should have left him on the street where you found him. Get off me, man. Get him out of here, huh? The Merlin. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out of here, Tommy. Get off me. You knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down now? No, no. In the ring. In the ring. Tommy Gunn only fights in the ring. My ring's outside. Yeah. Let's do it. Rocky V, made in 1990, returning to direct was John G. Adamson, written by Sylvester Stallone, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith returning, Tommy Morrison, Richard Gant, and Sage Stallone. This movie had a budget of $42 million and a box office of $120 million. Uh, I'll just start this off saying that I know Rocky V gets shit on a lot, but I do know there was a lot of things that Sylvester Sloan was trying to add in here. Even though he doesn't like this movie, I think that Richard Gant, who plays George Washington Duke, does a great job of imitating um, 
uh, the boxing promoter. I can't think of his name off the top Don of my head. King. Now. Don, King, Don King. Thank you very much. I was going to call him something else. But, you know, impersonating him was perfectly done. I think Tommy Morrison, who was a professional boxer in real life as, um, you know, the Duke, does a great job as a hateable character. I think the issues with this movie is Rocky, like, if you look at Rocky's trajectory as a character, like, for some reason, as the movies go on, he gets smarter in terms of understanding things. Like, three and four, he seems like a smarter person. And then, in this movie, he reverts back to the old Rocky. So I think they were trying to capture a lot of the magic of the original one to cap off the series. And that's what kind of killed it. Uh, what do you think, Swell? So uh, I'm going to be in complete agreement with you on a couple of things here. Yump. One, I think this movie gets shit on for no reason. Like, it's not great, but I, I really, really like it. There are some scenes that are very, very memorable. Um, who did you say played Duke? Richard Gatt. I thought he was fantastic, like doing his Don King impersonation. And he was very, very good at antagonizing Rocky and like trying to get his goat and get him uh, like to, to fight, whether it was, you know, before Tommy came into the picture and then when Tommy was the champ. Um, I loved how Tommy was like, he knew that he would always be compared to Rocky. He's like, I'm nobody's robot. Um, but then the sound clip that you played, it to me was the perfect sound clip for this movie when when tommy comes at the end of the movie the final fight and he punches Polly, right i get it like we talked about how much of a dirt ball Polly was but Polly was actually sticking up for rocky because there were some moments in the series where Polly might have been a little bit a little drunk and he's like you know you never you never let me down man you always took care of me so when tommy comes in talking shit to rocky he sticks up for him and he gets his ass beat by tommy in the bar and then that sound clip you played hey you knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down? And like that Stallone Rocky accent, like I was fucking pumped watching this last night. And then the fight happens in the streets and you can hear Duke like in the ring, in the ring. And you know, the, the drama with his son and his relationship with Tommy as opposed to his son. Also, E from Entourage plays the dirtball mm -hmm. bully in this movie. And everyone knows Entourage is my, favorite tv show of all time i know every episode by heart that's like the the broiest dirtball douchiest thing like a, a, that i like or that i'll admit to liking like he plays a, a dirtball in this movie but i think this movie is is a guilty pleasure like i could do it in defense of segment about this movie but i think it's fun pete what do you think i'm glad you guys are defending it because i hate it um if i mean Yump, you mentioned it. Like, if Stallone doesn't even like this movie, what makes me like this movie? I don't like it. I, I think um, you mentioned, like, the first four movies build Rocky into this specific character. And they just all break it down in this one. You know, he's a failure as a restaurant owner. He's a failure as a father. Like, they kind of dumb him down, if you will. Um, I, I just there's not many redeeming qualities about this movie. I'm glad you guys can pinpoint like specific actors and specific scenes because I can't as a whole. I, and I'll be honest, like I probably haven't watched this movie in 20 years. I, so it's been a while for for Rocky five. And well, on purpose, but let's be fair. Let's be fair here. He's not a failure. Pauly signs away power of attorney when he's fighting in Russia. And that's why they lose his fortune. And he's got to move back to Philadelphia like proper. So it was once again that fuck up Polly that screwed everything over. Not and Rocky. In -law. And I don't think the restaurant happened till Rocky Balboa. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, 
like Bologna, I totally get what you're saying. And that's kind of like another thing that kind of like bothered me, not what bothered me, but like was like, I didn't really understand because like I said how earlier, how Pauly actually starts to become the show good qualities. And in Rocky Four, before he goes to fight Drago, Pauly basically starts breaking down and crying and telling him that he always looked up to him. And, you know, he always thought he was a hero and he's sorry for the way he treated him. And, you know, it's kind of like a, they share like a, you know, a tender moment where he hugs Rocky and Talia Shire smiles, you know, big, you know, from ear to ear because her brother's finally, you know, becoming humanized. So they made Pauly actually like likable even more at that part of the movie. And then you basically revert to him being an asshole again, even though he does have good qualities in this movie again. But they, you know, Sylvester Stallone came out and said he did this movie for greed, which I can see why. But I just don't think it's that hor- you know, much of a horrible movie. It did set up some stuff for, you know, well, eventually we get Rocky Balboa, but, you know, Marie was supposed to appear in this movie and basically find out, turn out the way Rocky told her she was uh, to be a whore and, a, you know, hang out with bad people. But they um, cut that scene and actually have her in the next movie. You know, Tommy Morrison, again, did a great job. You know, another cool thing I thought that was uh, interesting is that uh, for you wrestling fans, Terry Funk was actually a choreographer of the outside fight scene outside the bar. So that was all him. I didn't know that. Well, yes. and you could definitely see the wrestling influence in the, the brawl outside the bar when like Rocky suplexes Tommy Gunn like onto the concrete. Like there's definitely a wrestling influence there. And I do like the montage, the uh, take it back montage and um, keep it up montage. That they have that's well not the take it back song the song's horrible but the montages they have in this movie are good yeah. and it's also one of those movies that like i didn't go to the theater to see i didn't rent it would come on hbo and i would watch it because there was nothing else on so uh i don't know i it's terrible and i get everything that you say about it baloney but it'll always have like a little soft spot for me because it's it's just bad good i do like the fact they had al bernstein in it who was like a big boxing guy for ESPN and whatnot. But he's he's in the movie. Just little stuff like that. I like how he throws like mixed a little bit of reality in there. But yeah, yeah it wasn't the, that great. The press conference uh mm-hmm. when at the end before Tommy yeah. snaps. He's like, hey, if you want a real fight, try that redhead in the front <laughs> row. I heard she's got a mean right hook. Yeah. He might win a few fights, but a Rocky Balboa he'll never be. <laughs> I watched it last night, so it's like fresh in my mind of like like the the terribleness of of the movie itself, but it's still fun to watch. Like none of these movies besides Rocky are ever going to win an Oscar. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to our final one. Let me, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently. If you let it, you, me or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Rocky Balboa, released in 2006. This one was written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Starring Sylvester Stallone, Burt Young, Antonio Tarver, Milo Ventimiglia, Gretlin Hughes, and James Francis Kelly. This movie had a budget of $24 million and a box office of 159 million dollars baloney tell me about rocky Balboa. uh so you mentioned it 2006 uh so obviously you know now we're adults now we're in adulthood when i heard this movie was coming out i think i had the reaction of a lot of people why um i thought it was an obvious cash grab i thought you know at the time you know you're doing you know you retread movies as the trend nowadays in 2006 um 
it shocked me how much I liked this movie when I went to go see it in theater. I thought it was um, a lot, I mean, more well-written than the fifth one for sure. Um, but I think about that scene, that that monologue or that soliloquy, it, it, it's almost like, you know, it, we got to six Rocky movies and he actually, like, that was maybe my, like, vivid memory of Rocky or, or, or Sylvester Stallone as an actor was that last uh, quote that you, that you just posted and stuff like that. So I thought it was good. Uh, I know people hate on Milo Ventimiglia. Uh, I know him as, as a, a character in Heroes. That's how I first saw him as, like, an actor and stuff like that. Um, I thought he was decent in this movie as well, like, playing the son that was kind of pissed off at the dad and stuff like that. Um, I like this movie. It, it was shockingly how much I liked it. I know him as the dude that fucked his sister in uh, That's My Boy, the Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. What? You've never seen That's My Boy? <laughs> no. Dude, it's uh, We did a whole Sandler episode. It's the only Sandler movie that's rated R, and he plays, uh, he, he plays a dude that has sex with his sister, who's played by the girl from Gossip Girl, and it's it's actually a hilarious underrated Sandler flick. You got to promise me you'll watch it. Yeah. I'm writing it down right now. That's my boy. Um, I saw this movie in theaters when it came out, it came out like the week of the 20th of December, I think. So I saw it literally like right after Christmas. Uh, I was always a huge Rocky fan. It's one of the movies I grew up like watching. And to be honest with you, this is probably my, my second favorite Rocky movie behind the original. And the reason for that is, there's so many good monologues in it. Like you kind of touched on Baloney, you know, the fact when he does, you know, this world is all sunshine and rainbows. When he does that, when he does the whole speech of, you know, aren't I entitled to my, you know, liberty and, you know, freedom of doing what I love when he talks to the boxing commission stuff, you know, when him and Polly talk outside in the alley and he talks about the stuff in the basement or when he goes to visit him at his work and talks about the stuff in the basement, how he can't get rid of it since Adrian passed away. That it's like it's a lot, it's like more emotional because you know Adrian has passed you know from cancer, and he's missing her and he has he's trying to live his life and he's having this estranged relationship with his son. I thought it was done really really well, and it kind of gives him a reason you know why he gets back in the ring is to kind of punch out all that feels feelings he had. I, I thought the movie was done perfectly uh, in terms of that. I do find it kind of weird though with the. Um, Gremlin Hughes as Marie, they kind of try to like make it seem like it was kind of a love story. And I kind of glad they didn't. Uh, I think they were trying to hint towards it, but I'm glad they didn't do that. But, you know, Tracy would get mad if I didn't mention this. I love the fact the movie opens up with Take You Back by Frank Stallone. Because Frank Stallone needs his due. And that part like just brought me back to Rocky One of seeing him over the damn canned uh, the barrel with fire and him singing that. You know, this movie has a lot of good things in it. And I thought it was uh, done very, very well. And it was originally supposed to be the end, you know, and Creed eventually was born from this. But I love the way it ended. I love, you know, everything about it. And the fact that Stallone did this, the fight scene at a fight with Bernard Hopkins, a championship fight. He told the crowd, hey, we're going to film this scene from Rocky, you know. And they reacted naturally to him coming out. That's really the crowd cheering for him. He didn't tell him to do that. And he said he almost broke down because he was like, Jesus, you know, like, this is how iconic the character is. It's just so many good things going for it. So it's a very well put together movie. What about you, Swell? 
so the thing that I love about this movie is is one his relationship with his son and how it's like it's strained, but two like the first the first two fights against Creed took place at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, um, and then you had where wherever he fought Clubber Lang, and then you had him fight in Russia. This is the first time this charity event happened in Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, and this is the first time that they brought the boxing like that's where the big fights happen now are in Vegas. Right. So you got to kind of see this charity event, this this thing in Vegas and that spectacle that is fight night in Vegas. And I remember like growing up, my my cousins used to have my cousin Roger used to have like the black box, right? The illegal cable box that like you could get all the fights for free and how I was little and I never got to go over there because all they would do would be drink and watch these fights. And that's what I, I kind of missed out on. And this brought that all back. I think this movie is really great and really, really well done. I, I do think that that Paulie is is he has some redeeming qualities in this movie. He's also a dirtball at Adrian's grave at the beginning of the movie. Um, I'm sorry, man. He's a dirtball. He's not a good dude. Yeah, but, you know, there's a part that was cut out where when he um, gets fired from his job and he runs out into the alley and he talks to him, there's a part actually that Paulie cries about Adrian saying he misses his sister and they cut that out. I don't know why, because it's just like, it's kind of powerful how he's like, you know, I miss my sister. I, I wish I was dead. I treated her like shit, like dirt, you know? And he even tells Paul, Rocky that in the movie, you know, the parts are in there. Like you remember all the good times I treated all her bad. I was, you know, that's why he doesn't want to reminisce about her because he, it just makes him think of how horrible he was to her. But the, you know, the, I wish they would have included that part. It would have built a lot more with his character. Yeah, no, I agree completely. That probably shouldn't have been left on the cutting room floor. Uh, but but like like Bologna, I was like, why are we? Why do we have another Rocky movie? And then when you realize this is really well done, and it's not just you know uh, a cash grab. This was like a like a nod to the fans. Like, hey, thank you. This is it. And then obviously the Creed movies happened, which are fantastic in their own right. Um, I think this is a really great entry into the franchise. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't have much to say on Tommy Morrison in the fifth one. I, I should mention Antonio Tarver at the time was a uh, professional boxer. I thought he was fine as, as one of the best names in all of the Rockies, Mason, the line Dixon. I, I don't know who came up with that, but I was like, you know, it was like, a, it's basically a video game character, or a cartoon character. Um, but yeah, I thought he was fine in this as as a this was his only like acting role at the time. He was actually champion. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned the Vegas big fight feel. And, and like I said, like you mentioned the black box, my uncles um, uh, growing up in a Mexican household in the 90s. I think we were all like, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez fans. I, yes. I like every we're big, all... every big boxing pay-per-view. My uncles get together. We We still to this day order all of the. Canelo fights and stuff like that. So yeah, this gives you the the Vegas feel for the first time in a Rocky movie. So yeah. that's a great point. Well, I think that I think that's why this like this group that we have discussing the Rocky movies kind of get it. Like we're all Southside meatheads, and we all had that one cousin or uncle that had the illegal cable box, so you could watch things. Or uh, the other channel on the illegal cable box, my cousin referred to as the Olympics, or as we referred to in our last episode, Russian politics. <laughs> No, uh, so Baloney, my family was totally the same thing. My dad had the box, so JC was a big prominent, uh, you know, we watched him all the time when he came on. We, you know, Johnny Tapia, that's where I found my love for Johnny Tapia, watching him fight, you know, won the black box. So a lot of good memories through that. 
as far as Antonio Tarver, he does do a good job in this movie, but probably one of the reasons he didn't get any more acting roles was he held up Stallone for more money. Oh, what like, the hell? Like, so Stallone, um, basically he was being difficult. He wanted more, demanded more money, like when the movie was in production. And Stallone's like, Stallone basically gave him most of his own salary to just get the movie made. So, I mean, it probably put a bad taste in Sloan's mouth and he probably told some people like, yeah, this guy's a dick. <laughs> so. Damn. But should we, I know, I know we're not going to include them in here, but should we just talk like real briefly about how we feel about the Creed movies? We don't need to go into detail, but how do we feel about them? Uh, yeah, if you want. I mean, I've only seen the first, well, the first one hasn't come out yet, but the first one I thought was done very well. Um, I don't like that Rocky and Robert kind of reconcile in this movie Rocky Balboa and then in Creed they're estranged again so I thought that was kind of weird I wish they would have uh, you know had them together but I think um, Creed was powerfully done it was done very well in terms of the Rocky character I mean he got nominated for an Oscar for it he won a Golden Globe for, for the role you know as Rocky going through cancer uh, but and the second one was you know totally paying off nostalgia with Drago coming back so I thought they were good movies yeah, I loved I loved that they had Drago's son come back and like what it did to him, like in the eyes of like, you know, the motherland or Russia, like how he was like kind of an estranged son and he had to go live in Ukraine. He, he didn't even live in Russia anymore. Um, and I'm very, very excited to see uh, Jonathan. I think Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. Like I'm very excited to see Jonathan Majors in Creed 3. Um, also, this is totally off topic, but Fids posted uh, something on Twitter the other day about HBO shows or shows that you wish would have got another season. And he talked about um, what's the show that Westworld, but Jonathan Majors TV show on HBO Lovecraft country. I wish would have gotten another season because uh, that was a fantastic HBO show. But uh, Creed three is probably my most anticipated movie for 2023 because the Batman two won't be out till 2024. Um, so I'm very, very excited for Creed three in March. Yeah, I think Jonathan Majors is a hell of an actor. I think um, he's been good in basically everything I've ever seen him. I like Tessa Thompson, and I like I'm a Michael B. Jordan fan, so I like the Creed movies as a whole. I'm excited about the third one. I thought the first Creed movie was really well done. The second one, like you said, kind of played off Rocky Four. They made Drago the blue collar guy, you know, like the son, if you will, with the you know, like you mentioned, going to Ukraine and stuff like that. It was, it was. Uh, I like them as a whole. I really do like the Creed movies. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of crazy, like, since we're on Rocky Balboa talking about it, you know, I was a movie nerd back in the day, so when scripts were leaked, you know, the whole premise of the Rocky rewrite was Rocky was going to fight for a charity for kids and, uh, you know, try to make money for them and eventually lose the fight to try it for an orphanage or like a kid's care charity. But throughout that script, he actually goes and visits Drago, who is dying from, um, he contracted uh, hepatitis through needles. And he's dying uh, in the hospital. And then he goes to see Clubber Lane, who's basically on and out. It's like, I thought that was kind of cool. So it's kind of nice that they brought the character back in Creed 2 and kind of gave him a redemption story. Like it shows that he loves his son. I think Creed 3, I'm getting a lot of Rocky 5 vibes off it because it's basically the same story. Maybe it'll be better than he done as, you know, his best friend or some like a person he trained with or taught him stuff that is coming back to get to go against them. That's what I'm getting in the movie. So well, the, I think you're still playing off that nostalgia. Maybe a little, the trailer to me looks like it was a kid that he grew up with when he didn't have a dad, like what, you know, because he, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have a relationship with Apollo 
and they got into some trouble and he took the he took the fall for him and went to jail for him. So that's the vibe that I'm getting from the trailer. I um yeah, I get it. Also, Yump, I do want to tell you that somewhere in this house, maybe in this house, there are some floppy disks with some scripts that were leaked and I would read them. <laughs> uh I also did that as a youth. Um, there's that Nicolas Cage Superman movie on a floppy disk somewhere um in this house. Just look at the look up those pictures of that one. Oh, yeah. it's brutal. It's brutal. But uh well, to put a well, go ahead, Baloney. No, I, I was gonna say one more thing about the Creed movies that are touching back on the themes of Rocky movies is this this next one, Michael B. Jordan is directing. And obviously, you know, like Sylvester Stallone was the one directing some of these, not all of these. Yeah, Ryan um, Coogler stepped aside and it's right, Michael so, B. Jordan in this movie. Yeah, so I'm interested to see how that works out, you know, because because obviously he's the star of the film, but now he's going to be directing. Yeah, and that was um one of the reasons why when they asked Sylvester well, for one, Sylvester Stallone and the co-owner of the Rocky series don't see eye to eye. He thinks that they're just doing cash grabs now. But before this all bad blood happened, he uh, he basically said, you know, I'm not going to, Rocky's done. Like the character Rocky Bible always run its course. And since Michael B. Jordan is taking over directing role, I want him to shine, you know, and show his great talents of what he, I know he does, which I thought was great. There's actually a video they filmed of him passing a torch to Michael B. Jordan. Uh, but Michael B. Jordan is, to me, when I think of him, I think of Stacey King, uh, the Bulls announcer, saying Michael B. Jordan was at a game. And he said, that's Michael B. Jordan. He was probably one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life, Creed, and probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, Fantastic Four. That's a pretty big honor to have. <laughs> it's just like, so uh, I love the Rocky movies. You know, I think Creed is pretty much, Creed's good. The first one's good, and the next two I think are going to be more nostalgic grabbing, but they're still good movies. Uh, just to put a bow on this, you know, we kind of hinted towards how Rocky has impacted. Like, Rocky's a war-renowned franchise. Sylvester Stallone got into the Boxing Hall of Fame due to his contribution to the boxing with, you know, the promotion of Rocky that helped, you know, rejuvenize boxing itself. Uh, like Rocky Balboa, again, rejuvenized boxing again for people who wanted to watch it uh, in more intense areas. Uh, getting it out in the media, you know, there's a time where boxing is, goes ups and downs. Like it was down a little bit when the Klitschko's were fighting because they were beating the shit out of everybody. And now it's starting to get a little rise with the, with the you know, um, uh, Fury, Tyson Fury. So it's just had a big impact on the boxing world. But uh, with that, guys, we actually have some big news to discuss. So not only is Baloney a guest on this show, but he's also part of our big news. So Swole, you want to give away our big news? Yeah, I'm very, very excited. We've been in communication um, about this for a while now, but we managed to um, book the Wiener Circle Relish Room where they have a room where you can record your pod live or we might record it. We don't know if we're going to go live yet or not. I think we're going to do live. Yeah, so we're going to do live at the Relish Room um, at the Wiener Circle, 2622 North Clark. And we're going to have the Chicago Sports Bums on with us and we're going to be talking about Chicago movies, movies that take place in Chicago. We're at an iconic spot in Chicago, the Wiener Circle. Everyone knows the Wiener Circle. Um, you can come and watch us record because you can see into the studio. And then after the pod, we're going to have a meetup with our listeners at the Burwood Tap um, on Wrightwood. I think it's 767 North Wrightwood in Lincoln Park. Um, so we're going to meet up for drinks after that. Um, and we're going to hang out and we're going to talk some movies and bullshit and uh, 
hang out. So we, we would love for you guys to come out and, and support us and have some drinks and uh, just have a good conversation on uh, Saturday, February 18th uh, at 5 p.m. at the Wiener Circle, 2622 North Clark. Um, Baloney, you want to talk about this promotion at all? I can't thank you guys enough for even thinking of us. Um, you guys, we've been going back and forth via DM for a while now. And just the fact that we're going to be talking movies, we're going to be recording live at the Wiener Circle of all places. Um, it's awesome. So uh, as a member of the Chicago Sports Films, all three of us can't thank you enough for inviting us along this ride. And yeah, man, we're pumped not only for the recording, but also, like you mentioned, at Burwood Tap. Um, we'll be, you know, putting that out there. Anybody that wants to come out, have some drinks. Um, not just you guys, Fo and, and Yump. You guys, everyone in White Sox Twitter has been so open and accommodating for us, the Chicago Sports Bums. Um, as a whole, this whole season, we've met a bunch of cool people. Um, everyone's been, like, uh, so kind and gracious with their time. And, you know, even little things like retweets and stuff like that. Uh, it goes a long way. So we can't thank everybody enough. And we're excited to have people along for the ride. You know, just have a night out, you know, in February where we all meet up. Um, there's going to be, uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking movies. We're going to be talking sports. It'll be a fun time. So, yeah, yeah I'm pumped, man. I, I can't wait. I do think that we also should uh, discuss, like, the best hot dogs in the city since we're going to be recording at the Relish Room. Uh, obviously, we got to throw the wiener circle in there, but we should also be having um, some hot dog discussion as well. A great call. This is going to be hard for all three of us because all three of us are participants in the 108 weight loss challenge. So this is going to have to be a cheat day for us because we're going to have some hot dogs. We're going to, we're going to, well, we're going to definitely going to be a cheat day. I will not be having hot dogs. I, uh, yeah, well, Yump hates I, hot dogs. I, I am not a fan of hot dogs. I, uh, don't say I'm that while we're there. You, they, you know, well, they oh, have, they have char burgers too. They have char burgers too. Yeah. But, um, I just as a, um, as a kid could not get past the hot dog. I couldn't eat it. I, I still can't to this day. Yelp doesn't just, like the glizzies. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, I will I say, you guys are all killing it. You, I mean, we're all killing in the 108 late loss. We're all taking it pretty seriously and stuff like that. For sure, cheat day that day. No no question yeah. about it. This and, is also going to be recorded, If I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, Pete, but this is going to be recorded for an episode for the Chicago Sports Bums as well, right? Right. It's a little crossover. It's, you know, it's the Avengers like meetup. It, <laughs> it, it's all of that. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, you know, Bologna, as you said, you know, just collaborating with you guys, you know, we met some great people through White Sox Twitter. I met Swole through White Sox Twitter, and that's how we got the show together, along with Pete and Fids. You know, shout out to the 108 guys for even, you know, putting us on a little bit. And if we can help any of our friends out, that's more than, you know, we're more than happy to do it. And your guys' show kicks ass. I tune in every Monday It's to watch. really good. It's um, really good. It's hilarious. You know, uh, you're... <laughs> HBIC is hilarious to me. He cracks me up because he contradicts himself and everything he says. He says he hates Wrigleyville, but yet he, he hates the Cubs, but yet he's always partying in Wrigleyville. Yeah, yep. cracks me up. So uh, does he love Dave Matthews Band too? <laughs> he does not. He's uh he's more of an EDM guy. He's the uns 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 guy in the group. I'm yeah. a, a pop punk emo kid growing up. Oh, so, we uh, I we can talk oh, about that. I'm well aware. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we appreciate it. And then I should mention now, um, one of your you know tainted glove teammates if you will brian s will be on our show uh this upcoming monday we're gonna be talking bears game we're, we'll talk bears versus atlanta we're gonna be talking wrestling and he's got his new podcast we'll be promoting that um maybe we'll be drafting some stuff it'll be fun time yeah yeah um it's just all it's cool that we can collaborate and hopefully just you know we can do more stuff like this in terms of collaboration uh 
but yeah it's gonna be a fun time so come out february 18th uh next year at 5 p.m at the relish room we'll do a live pod and like spoh said we'll be heading over to the bar after that uh baloney why don't you plug some of your stuff man uh, so yeah, so I'm Baloney at Peter Fonseca on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, but I am part of the Chicago Sports Bums. It's me, HBIC, as, as I mentioned, Jason, and then my cousin Johnny, the Southside Bum. Um, we talk sports, we talk pop culture, and more nonsense than anything. Um, if I were to describe the Bumcast, it's the first half hour is more Chicago sports related, whether it's Bears and White Sox or whatever is going on in the sports world. And then the other half hour is just bullshit. I mean, we just, you know, come up with a topic. We, who knows? Sometimes Jason's talking about slinging porn back in his St. Lawrence days or, or, you know, we're power ranking something, but it's a lot of fun. I love yeah. it. So before you go, before you go, I'm just going to ask you this one last thing. Cause we're, we're at 136. I got a couple minutes, right? Yup. You're a pop yeah. punk kid like me. Um, I want to know what is the definitive pop punk album in your opinion? Uh, that's a great question. If I'm talking pop punk and not emo, I'm kind of separating the two. Cause if we're going to talk emo, it's always and forever will be dashboards, uh, places that you come to fear the most. I love dashboard, but if it's so, pop punk. So, so wait a minute, you're going to put the places that you've come to fear the most over the Swiss army romance. I will, because I think it's a more fleshed out album. I like the Swiss army romance, but I blasphemy. think that is places blasphemy. is a more fleshed out album. Um, but if I'm talking pop punk, Pop punk, um, it's Taking Back Sunday's Tell All Your Friends. I feel like that is, if I'm recommending a pop punk album to someone, it's Taking Back Sunday's Tell All Your Friends. Wow. That's okay. We're, we're going to, you know what? You and I might have to do like an emergency episode because that's an emo album. Tell All Your Friends is an emo album. But I don't know. I don't man, know what to tell you. Brand I, new, when, Taking Back Sunday. When I think of emo, I think more acoustic, you know, and I think more slower. And pop punk, you know, Taking Back Sunday, that that album starts off and just kicks. So I, I think of it more of a, as a pop punk thing. There's a lyric on the album that says, and with my one last gasping breath, I apologize. I apologize for bleeding on your shirt. That's an emo album, buddy. That's, That's an, an emo, emo lyric. <laughs> That's an emo lyric. It's not an emo album. I, and with we this will argument, talk about this. You know what? We are going to have a podcast. This, about this partnership is ended. Sorry, <laughs> Trump is not a fan. That's okay. We all like what we like. No, um, no. I just think it's funny. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. You guys are talking about it. I I'm not a it. pop. I'm not a pop emo guy. I, I'm more it's okay. of a, That's okay. We all though. like. Our, we all like our things. The older I get, the more I realize. Like you do, you. I like what I like. We can bust each other's balls about it, but in reality, I respect whatever you like because I don't create anything but other other than a podcast where I talk about movies. So um, I I respect it. So, um, but yes, la one last plug before we let Peter go. Uh, but Peter, stick around. Don't go anywhere. Actually, um, yeah. Upcoming podcast Saturday, February eighteenth, twenty twenty three. So Yum said next year, but in reality, it's only like three months away. Um, <laughs> Live from the Wiener Circle, Relish Room, 2622 North Clark at 5 p.m. with drinks afterwards at the Burnwood Tap. Uh, Yumper and Svo at the show and the Chicago Sports Bomb crossover episode. We're very, very excited about that. We want to talk about Chicago movies and hot dogs and, and all the bullshit that we can. Uh, I can't thank you enough, Peter, for coming on the pod and being a part of this episode, talking Rocky with us and devoting your Sunday before the Bears game when you should be creating your locale chicken tortilla wraps or whatever you're making for your bear snack foods this week. I mean, not, nothing but grapes, probably nothing. <laughs> but, I mean, we're I mean, like I said, we're all killing it. Credit to everyone involved. 
Um, but yeah, I'm probably going to be eating grapes and That's watermelon or something. Pineapple and, pineapple and blueberries for me. So Exactly. I can't thank you guys enough. This was a blast. I had a lot of fun. Whenever you guys are willing to have me, I'll come back. I love talking movies. So this was oh, for awesome. sure. For sure. We're going to have Appreciate you on and uh, we'll probably get some of the bumps to do something at, excluding, you know, the, the podcast that's coming up. We'll probably get another thing with all you guys on there. Always welcome on Yumper as well. Yeah. Always. Well, and the invitation goes both ways. Before before the Relish Room show, maybe you guys come on the, the Bumpcast and kind of promote that. So it, it's going both ways. I appreciate sure, it. Sure, man. Sure, Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah. Anytime you want to have us on or vice versa, just let us know, man. Cool. But uh, thanks, Baloney. Uh, so let's move on, Small, to our actual um, coming soon. So we got some big news for coming soon. Uh, we actually have the third and final member, save the best for last. Of the 108, Cherizi coming on our next episode talking Star Wars movies. Well, how do you feel about that? Man, we've been planning this Star Wars episode for a long time, and I'm very, very excited to get the handsomest member of the 108 on the podcast. Uh, he has a beard that's fantastic, uh, and he reminds me of the Mexican Sam Elliott. Like, he is the Mexican Sam Elliott, and I'm very excited to have him on. Uh, I love Star Wars, most Star Wars stuff. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about our opinions about all nine movies in the franchise, uh, excluding. Well, I don't know. We haven't discussed. Are we gonna do Solo and are we gonna do? Uh, well, I think we're just gonna go through the nine, the, the prequels, nine? Okay. yeah, and yeah. then the after ones. I think we because the Star Wars universe is so big. I think we could pull Chris, uh, excuse me, Cherizi back in for a new episode. Oh, he used his that. real name. Yeah, sorry, I use your government name, sir. Um, but yeah, we can uh, pull him in for a, a newer episode, which I think. Um, but I'm really excited about this. You know, like you said, we've been going back and forth. Cherise uh, is a big supporter of the pod. He's like one of the first people that reached out to us when we dropped our first episode and, and gave uh, us honest feedback. Yes, and he uh, constantly gives us feedback. I talked to him about pointers for audio and just show setup. You know, like just like what uh, Baloney was saying earlier, you know, the outreach from Itox Twitter, you know, without the one away guys, you know, Pete and KFids as well, you know, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Those guys, you know, are instrumental in helping us get better. You know, they also shout us out and, you know, we like to put both their stuff as well because they're all around good people. And, and they're really fun is, to have. Yeah, their pod is fantastic and hilarious to listen to. We love Fids. We love uh, Aloha, Mr. Hand. I laugh every single time. I love the chat on the Tainted Glove every, you know, when, when, whatever day they decide to record, uh, you know, based on their schedule. They're both busy men. Um, but we love that. We also love uh, Magnificent Stan and it's getting drafty pod. Yes. If you haven't checked that out, be sure to check it out. The audio version is out. I will be releasing the video version soon. Uh, it's a good one. Uh, Zoe and Roxy come on and talk about Thanksgiving food draft. And it's actually not the traditional Thanksgiving food draft you think gets taken out. So it's a lot of good banter, uh, some good stuff. And they discuss a disgusting pizza, which is it's pretty nasty to look at the, that you'll see in the YouTube version. So be sure to check out It's Getting Drafty uh, in here with uh, Magnificent Stan. He's put out some good stuff. But uh, with that, guys, you know, we're getting close to Swole's final thought. I just want to say again, big shout out to Baloney for coming on. You know, you killed it today. Really enjoy talking and BSing with you. Very happy I met you. And, you know, the Chicago Sports Bums. Thank you to everyone who listens and watches our YouTube and just interacts with us. Without us, without you guys, we're nothing. Uh, so you're just making two guys who just bullshit about movies feel good. And I'm glad we can put out something to entertain for you guys. And with that, let's go into Swole's final thought.
it is my turn to speak, and I want to talk about some events that happened this week when we all thought the demise of Twitter was happening right before our very eyes. Um, and it didn't happen. Twitter is still here for now. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I tried this earlier, and I didn't quite get it. But thanks to our guest that came on today, um, I think I understand Discord now, and I think I like Discord. I think Discord's kind of fun. So I think you should check us out on Discord. You should definitely check out the Tainted Glove stuff. Um, the Chicago Sports Bums are on there. A lot of people from White Sox Twitter are starting to get into Discord. Um, and we're having some conversations because you can kind of break down the conversations that you want to have. If you want to talk about craft beer, our craft beer conversation last night led to talking about food places in Cleveland and Great Lakes and Melt. You know, we've also talked about sneakers. We talked about the White Sox. I'm actually really enjoying Discord right now. It's kind of fun. Um, and I didn't think I was going to like it. So follow us on all social media. We're we're everywhere, Instagram, Twitter. I don't think we have a Facebook account because we're not 60 years old and worried about like stolen elections. Um, but uh, you can follow us everywhere and make sure you do because we love interacting with you. We've had events. You know, we had the Top Gun event. We had the barbecue. And now we're having this this final event. We're very, very excited. We love you. We can't wait to see you guys in February. Um, and we'll see you in two weeks when we record our Star Wars episode. Um, on that note, deuces. No TV. What about the Rose Bowl game? No room service, I bet. I hope they got my comics here. What a depressing vacation. Thank you for listening to Yumper and Svo at the Show Podcast. A Tan and Glove production. That's it. I'm getting out of here.